This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, February 7th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telski looks to lessen the insult of injury. Capital Conversation talks legislative change-ups. Out is in in 2022 and a mountain weather forecast. For those zipping down mountains on skis or a snowboard, the possibility of accident and injury is always lurking. But this year, the Telluride Ski Resort is working to alleviate some of the potential fear and financial stress that comes from an injury. It was made clear to us that including accidental injury insurance with the purchase of any lift ticket or season pass product would be a real a real benefit to the guest um, and and also a real a real kind of simple way of of adding value to our product segments. That's Carson Taylor, director of mountain sales at Telski. For the first winter, every skier who buys a lift ticket at the resort or has a season pass will have accident insurance through Spot, a subscription insurance model that covers up to $25,000 in medical bills per injury. Here's Matt Randall, CEO at Spot. Fundamentally, our hope and our goal with what we're doing at Spot is allowing people to live their most full life, their best life, knowing that if anything were to happen to them related to injuries, we'll cover their medical bills. Taylor says the decision to include accident insurance to a lift ticket is one piece of a shifting mindset within the ski industry. Maybe a decade or more ago, it wasn't common for anyone in the ski space to to disclose on a marketing or communication level the inherent risk of skiing and snowboarding, right? It was just a kind of a no-no. And now, you know, we've transitioned away from that and we have the support from our ownership team. And, and generally speaking, the ski space as a whole is being a lot more honest with their consumer base about, hey, you know what, skiing and snowboarding is extremely fun, highly sought after, and will continue to be so. However, it is inherently dangerous, and we want to go ahead and own up to that and be honest with our customers about that. Randall agrees, noting he sees the company continuing to grow. What I truly believe will happen in a short period of time is we'll be live on close to probably, I would say, 18 to 20 ski resorts this year. And you know, my, my assumption is by 75 to 100 next year, um, knowing it's going to become kind of this offering that uh, resorts need to give, not just want to give. Of course, Telski isn't providing the insurance purely out of the goodness of its heart. According to Taylor, the cost of the subscription is passed along to the consumer. But he adds, in the grand scheme, cost is nominal. At the end of the day, you're talking about, you know, a few dollars, you know, for, for um, you know, for a season pass product. It's, it comes down to literally less than a dollar a day over the course of a 120 day or more season. And for lift tickets, it's, you know, a couple dollars a day in addition to what you would pay otherwise. So it's, it's reasonably speaking, quite, quite inexpensive. The coverage also only covers injury that happens on the mountain and during the ski season. But how does it work? Randall again. If you get injured that day while skiing or that season, um, you can be able to literally press a button that says file a claim. It takes about five minutes to be able to file a claim. You get connected directly with one of our customer care agents, um, and we're going to walk you through the process. It'll take you about five minutes to be able to file that claim. 
And um, hopefully you get paid out in a very, very short period of time. As COVID and an increased interest in outdoors pushes people into nature and sports like skiing, Taylor says he hopes spot can play a small role in lowering the barrier of entry for the recreation. We, we in Telluride still are seeking out uh, how, to, how to improve our or lessen the barrier to entry for that matter. And, and yeah, I do think that it's going to be, you know, a part of a part of skiing moving forward. And I, I also think, I think it, it puts across a really positive message to consumers uh, in that, that we do genuinely care about the, the safety and, and uh, livelihoods of our, of our consumer base. And, and that, you know, medical expenses are a real thing when they happen. And uh, this, this helps really diffuse those, uh, those stressors involved with, you know, five, 10, 15, $20,000 expenses out of pocket. Telski and Spot can't guarantee you won't crash on the mountain this year. But they do hope the cost of medical bills won't add insult to that injury. Leadership at the state legislature is shuffling. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO's State House reporter Scott Franz talks what the changes could mean for the session. Have a listen. Scott, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. So the first thing that I wanted to check in with you about, um, last week we heard that the Senate president, Leroy Garcia, is going to be leaving his position to take a job at the Pentagon. Um, and, you know, that's a big position within our state legislature. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what does that mean? And then is that going to affect how the rest of the session looks? It definitely could. You know, it is a very interesting um, development, you know, this, this early in the legislative session. Um, you know, some things I'll note, you know, Leroy Garcia, um, a lot of times, you know, was considered a more moderate Democrat. You know, we saw examples of that with his votes on um, the red flag um, gun control legislation from a few years ago. Um, him being one of the only no votes in the chamber, um, because you know he's he's from Pueblo. Um, you know there were some successful recall efforts in, in previous years against you know lawmakers from that area supporting gun legislation. So you know that's just one small example of you know a change in and how a change in leadership you know might affect policies going forward. I mean this could affect even you know what types of bills. Um, get introduced because the Senate president, you know, usually does have um, a lot of clout and a lot of sway on on how legislation advances, and of course the calendar, which is one of the most important things here at the Capitol. Um, you know, so early indications are there's a number of people who, you know, have indicated they they want that top job, including um, Senator Carrie Donovan. Um, you know, uh, she's a West Slope. Democrat, there's Steve Fenberg, who's the current majority leader. He's in the number two spot right now um, from Boulder. Um, you know, another thing I'd keep an eye on is is kind of where this position comes from. It would be, um, you know, quite the change if anyone from the West Slope does succeed in, in getting that position. It's been a very long time since we've had either a House Speaker or a Senate President that, you know, lives west of the country. 
continental divide. He won't be leaving his position until later this month, so there's a little bit of time to uh, maybe get ducks in a row. But does it shift how you envision covering the rest of the session? Um, you know, at this point, not if the majority in the Senate were more narrow, um, you know, perhaps down even to a single vote, you know, you might expect, you know, a bigger, bigger potential change, you know, by changing one, one person, but, you know, the Democrats still have a, a comfortable margin in both chambers to pass legislation. So I don't think it's going to be earth shattering this session, but, you know, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Both chambers have started debating some bills and kind of getting a little bit more into, A, the weeds, but also hearing from constituents how they feel about these bills. Um, what are some of the things that are coming up this week that you're really keeping your eye out for? There's, you know, a lot of stimulus-related bills that are still out there. Um, you know, things like tax deductions. We'll see some second votes on, you know, making it easier for child care centers get approval and get some financial relief by making it easier for them to get property tax breaks. You know, so those are some of the early ones. You know, the, the mountain lion hunting ban fizzled out last week. You know, that was one that, that brought a lot of hunters to the, the Capitol to testify against that. And it was pretty resoundingly voted down late last week. Um, and then I'm also anxious to see, you know, how this bill on um, hospital visitation plays out. That's a Republican-led effort to to try and guarantee hospital visits even during pandemics or you know these kind of health emergencies. Um, and it went to what is normally a kill committee, meaning you know that where Democrats usually send legislation to be voted down, um, and it survived. I mean, it didn't advance out of there quite yet, but it wasn't you know it wasn't completely eliminated, which is pretty pretty rare. Um, and I think, you know, the emotion surrounding that debate is one that also has national consequences. I did a little bit of research and, you know, there are similar bills up for debate in Florida, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, all across the country. So this is something that, you know, many states are grappling with and will be interesting to see where lawmakers land here in Colorado. Well, Scott, we will definitely continue to follow along on all of these bills. And thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. Thank you. That was KOTO Scott Franz reporting from Denver. Out is in in 2022. Outside. Out. Out gay. Out everything. Out free, open. Whatever it is, out is in. That's Rosie Cusack. After a COVID-induced hiatus, Telluride Gay Ski Week is back. Cusack is the organizer of the event. She notes this year will be a quieter affair. There will be no drag show or a white party. I'm pretty sure there isn't anyone in this town who doesn't love a massive party more than I do. Uh, We all love a great big party and dancing and the whole thing. Um, We have to just put white party aside for this year. Um, It's just too much on my psyche um, to to go forward with that. I don't want to be part of people getting sick. She notes that while San Miguel County's mask mandate is lifting this week and COVID case numbers are better than they were before, the decisions surrounding Gay Ski Week are months in the making. 
And white party or no, for CUSAC, it's about the community. It must go on. And those flags on Main Street, flags in Mountain Village, the excitement, the open, welcoming, like, vibe and stuff, that's cool. I think it's great and important. There will be an opening and closing day party in Telluride with Apre skis in town and on the mountain daily. It's getting back into practice for having a good time. Meet some new people, have some fun, friends forever. I love hearing that. People who have met at Gay Ski Week in the last five years, who are now best friends all over the world. It's pretty great. Because according to CUSAC, Gay Ski Week 2023 is going to be epic. Telluride Gay Ski Week 2022 will kick off on Saturday, February 26th. It will run through Saturday, March 5th. Telluride locals will be riding in Beijing this week. Lucas Foster will be competing in the men's snowboard halfpipe qualifiers on Tuesday, February 8th at 9.30 p.m. Finals are on Thursday, February 10th at 6 p.m. Hagen Kearney will compete in the snowboard cross qualifiers on Wednesday, February 9th at 8 p.m. The finals are later that day. Finally, next week, Gus Kenworthy will compete in the men's freestyle skiing halfpipe on Wednesday, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. Emmy and Sundance Award-winning filmmaker Jeff Orlosky-Yang will be joining Mountain Film in 2022. This week, the festival announced Orlosky-Yang will serve as guest director for the film festival. Orlosky-Yang's work includes the documentaries Chasing Ice and Chasing Coral, which were both shown at Mountain Film. He also directed the 2020 documentary The Social Dilemma, which highlighted the dangerous impacts of social networking. Orlosky-Yang is the founder of the award-winning production company Exposure Labs. He worked on President Obama's Committee for the Arts and Humanities. Orlosky-Yang's work has been featured in National Geographic, CNN, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Time, and NPR. Orlosky-Yang first attended Mountain Film in 2012. In a news release, he notes he's excited to come back, saying Mountain Film is a place that, quote, brings together the space and community that allows you to go deep and explore issues that matter. The 2022 Mountain Film Festival will take place May 26th through 30th in Telluride and May 31st to June 7th online. We may live in the mountains, but it's time to head for the hills. The Americana String Band out of Fort Collins will be in Telluride this week for a performance at the Transfer Warehouse. Head for the Hills will be sharing music from their upcoming EP, Say Your Mind, a genre-straddling, lyrically deep and danceable album with Colorado acoustic, roots and soul music all coming together. Head for the Hills will be at the Telluride Transfer Warehouse on Saturday, February 12th. The show starts at 4 p.m. Tickets are available at telluridearts.org. There will soon be a new forum for Western states and federal agencies to coordinate environmental conversation across borders and jurisdictions. A so-called task force on collaborative conservation is being launched by the Western Governors Association. 
along with the Departments of the Interior and Agriculture. It'll serve as a forum where state, local, and federal jurisdictions can work together on conservation issues. The group will also help figure out the best way to implement funding for conservation from the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed by Congress last year. Sarah Greenberger is an associate deputy secretary at the Interior Department. The rivers don't stop at state borders, forest, bridge, state, private, and federal land. You know, when you're thinking of how to address these challenges, you can't do it piecemeal and you need to work together, right, to have a solution that has an impact. She also says the task force will allow for states and federal agencies to bring together the different perspectives, resources, and expertise that each party has access to. The task force does not include Native American tribes, but according to Greenberger, it is only one of the many collaborative efforts addressing conservation, including those working with tribal communities. The Western Governors Association, which is leading the task force, is made up of governors from all Western states, including Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah. As climate change becomes more front and center across the world, communities are looking to transition away from fossil fuels. This winter, KOTO is partnering with stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at that shift. Today, we're heading to Pitkin County. As the impacts of climate change worsen, many are turning their attention to the harmful greenhouse gas, methane. Scientists estimate methane is more than 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide. President Biden and other global leaders have promised to cut 30 percent of methane emissions by 2030. Pitkin County is working with a group of stakeholders to capture a large amount of methane that's been leaking out of abandoned coal mines above the town of Redstone. Aspen Public Radio's Eleanor Bennett reports. It's late September last year, and the Crystal River Valley is aglow with golden aspen leaves framed by snow-capped peaks. Local climate scientist Chris Kasky is crouching in front of an old mine portal and coal basin that's been filled in with rocks and dirt. Kasky is using a methane sensor to show a group of local stakeholders where a steady stream of air and methane is leaking out from a small hole in the porous earth. You can see those little wild roses are, are blowing in the breeze. That breeze is mostly air that's, that's entering down lower and coming up through, but we measured it earlier. It's uh, almost 2% methane by volume. Coal Basin was once dominated by coal mines that first opened in the late 1800s. This coal was saturated with natural gas, mostly methane, and that's just for geology reasons. And that methane is a minor safety hazard. So during mining, it was vented to protect the miners. And that methane has continued to leak out uh, ever since. When the last of the five mines shut down in the early 90s, the mining company was mandated to restore the area. But Kasky estimates the mines are still leaking over a million cubic feet of methane every day. According to local officials, that's equivalent to over half of Pekin County's reported CO2 emissions each year. That includes all the traffic, all the houses, all the aircraft landing at Aspen Airport. And Pekin County being wealthy is not a low footprint place. Kasky says the methane seeping out of the mines isn't concentrated enough to impact hikers or bikers, but it is making its way into the atmosphere and contributing to climate change. 
it's a huge opportunity to reduce climate pollution because if we can capture this gas and either use it or just destroy it by burning it, that is a, a very good thing to do. Representatives from State Senator Michael Bennett's office, Pitkin County, Holy Cross Energy, and others hiked nearly nine miles with Caskey to witness the problem firsthand. For Pitkin County Commissioner Greg Poshman, the trip made the benefits of taking action clear. This may be the easiest way to get a huge bang for our buck to reach our carbon goals, um, you know, certainly by 2030, if not sooner. Gasky says the cheapest solution would be to burn the methane, which creates CO2 instead. And that really looks like wasting it, but right now it's already being wasted, and CO2 is less bad for the atmosphere than methane. Another option is to use the gas leaking out of the mines to generate electricity. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, there were only two other projects of this kind in the country as of 2019. Caskey estimates Coal Basin could produce enough electricity to power about 2,000 homes. But the mining area is located on a mix of Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, and private land. So Pitkin County will need to get permission from individual landowners as well as the federal government. Mona Newton is the former executive director of the Aspen-based Community Office for Resource Efficiency. She's now a consultant on the project with Caskey. She and the stakeholder group have sent letters to state and federal officials asking for their support. But she says the project shouldn't be used as an excuse for Pitkin County to keep polluting the atmosphere. We can't stop working on the emissions that are generated within Pitkin County, but this one is, this will go a long way towards helping to preserve our climate. If the project gets approved, construction could start as soon as next year. Eleanor Bennett, Aspen Public Radio News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Tuesday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high near 45 degrees and a low around 20. Wednesday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high around 40. Wednesday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 20 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, February 7th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.